This is The Jungle Book, a collection of stories by Rudyard Kipling about Mowgli, an orphan boy in India, and his animal guardians in the jungle, the lair of Shere Khan, the tiger. The law of the jungle, which is by far the oldest law in the world, has arranged for almost every kind of accident that may befall the jungle people. Till now, its code is as perfect as time and custom can make it. If you have read the other stories about Mowgli, you'll remember that he spent a great part of his life in the Sioni wolf pack, learning the law from Baloo, the brown bear. And it was Baloo who told him, when the boy grew impatient at the constant orders, that the law was like the giant creeper, because it dropped across everyone's back and no one could escape. When thou hast lived as long as I have, little brother, thou wilt see how all the jungle obeys at least one law. And that will be no pleasant sight, said Baloo. This talk went in one ear and out the other, for a boy who spends his life eating and sleeping does not worry about anything till it actually stares him in the face. But one year Baloo's words came true and Mowgli saw all the jungle working under one law. It began when the winter rains failed almost entirely, and Sahi, the porcupine, meeting Mowgli in a bamboo thicket, told him that the wild yams were drying up. Now everybody knows that Sahi is ridiculously fastidious in his choice of food, and will eat nothing but the very best and ripest. So Mowgli laughed and said, What is it to me? Not much now, said Sahi, rattling his quills in a stiff, uncomfortable way. But later we shall see. Is there any more diving into the deep rock pool below the bee rocks, little brother? No, the foolish water is going all away, and I do not wish to break my head, said Mowgli, who was quite sure he knew as much as any five of the jungle people put together. That is thy loss. A small crack might let in some wisdom. Sahi ducked quickly to prevent Mowgli from pulling his nose bristles, and Mowgli told Baloo what Sahi had said. Baloo looked very grave and mumbled half to himself, If I were alone, I would change my hunting grounds now, before the others began to think. And yet, hunting among strangers ends in fighting, and they might hurt my man-cub. We must wait and see how the moa blooms. That spring, the moa tree, that Baloo was so fond of, never flowered. The greeny, cream-colored wax blossoms were heat-killed before they were born, and only a few bad-smelling petals came down as he stood on his hind legs and shook the tree. Then, inch by inch, the untempered heat crept into the heart of the jungle, turning it yellow, brown, and at last, black. The green growths in the sides of the ravines burned up to broken wires and curled films of dead stuff. The hidden pools sank down and caked over, keeping the last, least footmark on their edges as if it had been cast in iron. The juicy-stemmed creepers fell away from the trees and clung to and died at their feet. The bamboos withered, clanking when the hot winds blew, and the moss peeled off the rocks deep in the jungle, till they were as bare and as hot as the quivering blue boulders in the bed of the stream. 
the birds and the monkey people went north early in the year, for they knew what was coming. And the deer and the wild pig broke far away into the perished fields of the villages, dying sometimes before the eyes of men too weak to kill them. Chill, the kite, stayed and grew fat, for there was a great deal of carrion, and evening after evening he brought the news to the beasts, too weak to force their way to fresh hunting grounds, that the sun was killing the jungle for three days' flight in every direction. Mowgli, who had never known what real hunger meant, fell back on stale honey, three years old, scraped out of deserted rock hives, honey black as a slough and dusty with dried sugar. He hunted, too, for deep-boring grubs under the bark of the trees, and robbed the wasps of their new broods. All the game in the jungle was no more than skin and bone, and Bagheera could kill twice in a night and hardly get a full meal. But the want of water was the worst, for though the jungle people drink seldom, they must drink deep. And the heat went on and on, and sucked up all the moisture, till at last the main channel of the Wengunga was the only stream that carried a trickle of water between its dead banks. And when Hathi, the wild elephant, who lives a hundred years and more, saw a long, lean blue ridge of rock show dry in the very center of the stream, he knew that he was looking at the peace rock. And then and there he lifted up his trunk and proclaimed the water truce as his father before him had proclaimed it fifty years ago. The deer, wild pig, and buffalo took up the cry hoarsely, and Chill the Kite flew in great circles far and wide, whistling and shrieking the warning. By the law of the jungle, it is death to kill at the drinking places when once the water truce has been declared. The reason for this is that drinking comes before eating, Everyone in the jungle can scramble along somehow when only game is scarce. But water is water, and when there is but one source of supply, all hunting stops while the jungle people go there for their needs. In good seasons, when water is plentiful, those who came down to drink at the Wangunga, or anywhere else for that matter, did so at the risk of their lives and that risk made no small part of the fascination of the night's doings. To move down so cunningly that never a leaf stirred, to wade knee-deep in the roaring shallows that drown all noise from behind, to drink, looking backward over one shoulder, every muscle ready for the first desperate bound of keen terror, to roll on the sandy margin and return wet-muzzled and well-plumped out to the admiring herd, was a thing that all glossy-horned young bucks took a delight in, precisely because they knew that at any moment Bagheera or Shere Khan might leap upon them and bear them down. But now that life-and-death fun was ended, and the jungle people came up starved and weary to the shrunken river, tiger, bear, deer, buffalo, and pig together, drank the fouled waters, and hung above them too exhausted to move off. The deer and pig had trampled all day in search of something better than dried bark and withered leaves. The buffalo had found no wallows to be cool in and no green crops to steal. The snakes had left the jungle and come down to the river in the hope of catching a stray frog. They curled around wet stones and never offered to strike when the snout of a rooting pig dislodged them. 
the river turtles had long ago been killed by Bagheera, cleverest of the hunters, and the fish had buried themselves deep in the cracked mud. Only the peace rock lay across the shallows like a long snake, and the little tired ripples hissed as they dried on its hot side. It was here that Mowgli came nightly for the cool and the companionship. The most hungry of his enemies would hardly have cared for the boy then. His naked skin made him look more lean and wretched than any of his fellows. His hair was bleached to toe color by the sun. His ribs stood out like the ribs of a basket, and the lumps of his knees and elbows, where he was used to track on all fours, gave his shrunken limbs the look of knotted grass stems. But his eye, under his matted forelock, was cool and quiet, for Bagheera, his adviser in this time of trouble, told him to move quietly, hunt slowly, and never, on any account, to lose his temper. It is an evil time, said the Black Panther, one furnace-hot evening, but it will go if we can live till the end. Is thy stomach full, man-cub? There is stuff in my stomach, but I get no good of it. Think you, Bagheera, the rains have forgotten us and will never come again? Not I. We shall see the moa in blossom yet, and the little fawns all fat with new grass. Come down to the peace rock and hear the news. On my back, little brother. This is no time to carry weight. I can still stand alone, but, indeed, we be no fatted bullocks, we two. Bagheera looked along his ragged, dusty flank and whispered, Last night I killed a buck under the yoke. So low was I brought that I think I should not have dared to spring if he had been loose. <laughs> Mowgli laughed. Yes, we are great hunters now, said he. I am very bold to eat grubs. And the two came down together through the crackling undergrowth to the river bank and the lacework of shoals that ran out from it in every direction. "'The water cannot live long,' said Baloo, joining them. "'Look across. Yonder are trails like the roads of man.' On the level plain of the farther bank the stiff jungle grass had died standing, and dying had mummied. The beaten tracks of the deer and the pig, all heading toward the river, had stripped that colorless plain with dusty gullies, driven through the ten-foot grass, and early as it was, each long avenue was full of first-comers hastening to the water. You could hear the does and fawns coughing in the snuff-like dust. Upstream, at the bend of the sluggish pool round the Peace Rock, and warden of the water truce, stood Hathi, the wild elephant, with his sons, gaunt and grey in the moonlight, rocking to and fro, always rocking. Below him a little were the vanguard of the deer. Below these again, the pig and the wild buffalo. And on the opposite bank, where the tall trees came down to the water's edge, was the place set apart for the eaters of flesh. The tiger, the wolves, the panther, the bear, and the others. We be under one law indeed, said Bagheera, wading into the water, and looking across at the lines of clicking horns and starting eyes, where the deer and the pig pushed each other to and fro. Good hunting, all of you of my blood, he added, lying down at full length, one flank thrust out of the shallows, and then, between his teeth, 
but for that which is the law it would be very good hunting. The quick-spread ears of the deer caught the last sentence, and the frightened whisper ran along the banks. The truce! Remember the truce! Peace there, peace, gurgled Hathi, the wild elephant. The truce holds, Bagheera. This is no time to talk of hunting. Who should know better than I? Bagheera answered, rolling his yellow eyes upstream. I am an eater of turtle, a fisher of frogs. Bah! Would I could get good from chewing branches. We wish so very greatly, bleated a young fawn, who had been only born that spring and did not at all like it. Wretched as the jungle people were, even Hathi couldn't help chuckling, while Mowgli, lying on his elbows in the warm water, laughed aloud and beat up the foam with his feet. Well spoken, little bud, Bagheera purred. When the truce ends, that shall be remembered in my favor. And he looked keenly through the darkness to make sure of recognizing the fawn again. Gradually, the talk spread up and down the drinking places. You could hear the scuffling, snorting pig asking for more room, the buffaloes grunting among themselves as they lurched out across the sandbars, and the deer telling pitiful stories of their long, footsore searches in quest of food. Now and again they asked some questions of the eaters of flesh across the river, but all the news was bad, and the roaring hot wind of the jungle came and went between the rocks and the rattling branches and scattered twigs and dust on the water. The men folk, too, they die beside their plows, said a young Sambur. I passed three between sunset and night. They lay still, and their bullocks with them. We also shall lie still in a little. The river has fallen since last night, said Baloo. Oh, Hathi, hast thou ever seen the like of this drought? It will pass, it will pass, said Hathi, squirting water along his back and sides. We have one here that cannot endure long, said Baloo, and he looked towards the boy he loved. I, said Mowgli indignantly, sitting up in the water, I have no long fur to cover my bones, but, but if thy hide were pulled off, Baloo, Hathi shook all over at the idea, and Baloo said severely, Man-cub, that is not seemly to tell a teacher of the law. Never have I been seen without my hide. Nay, I mean no harm, Baloo, but only that thou art, as it were, like a coconut in the husk, and I am the same coconut all naked. Now that brown husk of thine... Mowgli was sitting cross-legged and explaining things with his forefinger in his usual way, when Bagheera put out a paddy paw and pulled him over backwards into the water. Worse and worse, said the Black Panther as the boy rose spluttering. First Baloo is to be skinned, and now he is a coconut? Be careful that he does not do what the ripe coconuts do. And what is that? said Mowgli, off his guard for a minute, though that was one of the oldest catches in the jungle. Break thy head, said Bagheera quietly pulling him under again. It is not good to make a jest of thy teacher, said the bear, when Mowgli had been ducked for the third time. Not good. What would ye have? That naked thing running to and fro makes a monkey jest of those who have once been good hunters, and pulls the best of us by the whiskers for sport. 
This was Shere Khan, the lame tiger, limping down to the water. He waited a little to enjoy the sensation he had made among the deer on the opposite bank. Then he dropped his square frilled head and began to lap, growling, The jungle has become a whelping ground for naked cubs now. Look at me, man-cub. Mowgli looked, stared rather, as insolently as he knew how, and in a minute Shere Khan turned away uneasily. Man-cub this and man-cub that, he rumbled, going on with his drink. The cub is neither man nor cub, or he would have been afraid. Next season I shall have to beg his leave for a drink. Ah. That may come too, said Bagheera, looking him steadily between the eyes. That may come too. Fah, Shere Khan, what new shame hast thou brought here? The lame tiger had dipped his chin and jowl in the water, and dark oily streaks were floating from it downstream. Man, said Shere Khan coolly, I killed an hour since. He went on purring and growling to himself. The line of beasts shook and wavered to and fro, and a whisper went up that grew to a cry. Man, man, he has killed man. Then all looked towards Hathi, the wild elephant, but he seemed not to hear. Hathi never does anything till the time comes, and that is one of the reasons why he lives so long. At such a season as this to kill man, was there no other game afoot? said Bagheera scornfully, drawing himself out of the tainted water and shaking each paw, cat-fashion, as he did so. I killed for choice, not for food. The horrified whisper began again, and Hathi's watchful little white eye cocked itself in Shere Khan's direction. For choice, Shere Khan drawled. Now come I to drink and make me clean again. Is there any to forbid? Bagheera's back began to curve like a bamboo in a high wind, but Hathi lifted up his trunk and spoke quietly. Thy kill was from choice? he asked and when Hathi asks a question it is best to answer. Even so, it was my right and my night. Thou knowest, O Hathi. Shere Khan spoke almost courteously. Yea, I know, Hathi answered, and after a little silence, Hast thou drunk thy fill? For tonight, yes. Go then, the river is to drink, and not to defile. None but the lame tiger would have boasted of his right at this season when, when we suffer together, man and jungle people alike. Clean or unclean, get to thy lair, Shere Khan. The last words rang out like silver trumpets, and Hathi's three sons rolled forward half a pace, though there was no need. Shere Khan slunk away, not daring to growl, for he knew, what everyone else knows, that when the last comes to the last, Hathi is the master of the jungle. What is this right Shere Khan speaks of? Mowgli whispered in Bagheera's ear. To kill man is always shameful. The law says so. And yet Hathi says, Ask him. I do not know, little brother. Right or no right, 
If Hathi had not spoken, I would have taught the lame butcher his lesson. To come to the peace rock fresh from a kill of man, and to boast of it, it's a jackal's trick. Besides, he tainted the good water. Mowgli waited for a minute to pick up his courage, because no one cared to address Hathi directly, and then he cried, What is Shere Khan's right, O Hathi? Both banks echoed his words, for all the people of the jungle are intensely curious, and they had just seen something that no one, except Baloo, who looked very thoughtful, seemed to understand. It is an old tale, said Hathi, a tale older than the jungle. Keep silence along the banks, and I will tell that tale. There was a minute or two of pushing and shouldering among the pigs and the buffalo, and then the leaders of the herds grunted, one after another, We wait! And Hathi strode forward till he was almost knee-deep in the pool by the peace rock. Lean and wrinkled and yellow-tusked though he was, he looked what the jungle held him to be, their master. Ye know, children, he began, that of all things ye most fear man. There was a mutter of agreement. This tale touches thee, little brother, said Bagheera to Mowgli. I? I am of the pack, a hunter of the free people, Mowgli answered. What have I to do with man? And ye do not know why ye fear man, Hathi went on. This is the reason. In the beginning of the jungle, and none know when that was, we of the jungle walked together, having no fear of one another. In those days there was no drought, and leaves and flowers and fruit grew on the same tree, and we ate nothing at all except leaves and flowers and grass and fruit and bark. I am glad I was not born on those days, said Bagheera. Bark is only good to sharpen claws. And the lord of the jungle was Thaw, the first of the elephants. He drew the jungle out of deep waters with his trunk, and where he made furrows in the ground with his tusks, there the rivers ran. And where he struck his foot, there rose ponds of good water, and when he blew through his trunk, thus the trees fell. That was the manner in which the jungle was made by Thaw, and so the tale was told to me. It has not lost fat in the telling, Bagheera whispered, and Mowgli laughed behind his hand. In those days there was no corn or melons or pepper or sugar cane, nor were there any little huts such as ye have all seen. And the jungle people knew nothing of man, but lived in the jungle together, making one people. But presently they began to dispute over their food, though there was grazing enough for all. They were lazy. Each wished to eat where he lay, as sometimes we may do now when the spring rains are good. Thaw, the first of elephants, was busy making new jungles and leading the rivers in their beds. He could not walk everywhere, so he made the first of the tigers the master and the judge of the jungle, to whom the jungle people should bring their disputes. In those days, the first of the tigers ate fruit and grass with the others. He was as large as I am, and he was very beautiful, in color all over like the blossom of the yellow creeper. There was never stripe nor bar upon his hide in those good days when the jungle was new. 
all the jungle people came before him without fear, and his word was the law of all the jungle. We were then, remember ye, one people. Yet, upon a night, there was a dispute between two bucks, a grazing quarrel, such as ye now try out with the head and the forefeet. And it is said that as the two spoke together before the first of the tigers, lying among the flowers, a buck pushed him with his horns, and the first of the tigers forgot he was the master and judge of the jungle, and leaping upon that buck, broke his neck. Till that night never one of us had died, and the first of the tigers, seeing what he had done, and being made foolish by the scent of the blood, ran away into the marshes of the north, and we of the jungle, left without a judge, fell to fighting among ourselves. Thaw heard the noise of it, and came back, and some of us said this, and some of us said that. But he saw the dead buck among the flowers, and asked who had killed, and we of the jungle would not tell, because the smell of the blood made us foolish, even as that same smell makes us foolish today. We ran to and fro in circles, capering and crying out and shaking our heads. So therefore Thaw gave an order to the trees that hang low, and to the trailing creepers of the jungle, that they should mark the killer of the buck, that he should know him again. And Thaw said, who will now be master of the jungle people? Then up leaped the gray ape, who lives in the branches, and said, I will now be the master of the jungle. At this Thaw laughed and said, So be it, and went away very angry. Children, you know the gray ape. He was then as he is now. At the first he made a wise face for himself but in a little while he began to scratch and to leap up and down, and when Thaw returned he found the gray ape hanging, head down, from a bough, mocking those who stood below, and they mocked him again. And so there was no law in the jungle, only foolish talk and senseless words. Then Thaw called us all together and said, The first of your masters has brought death to the jungle, and the second, shame. Now it is time there was a law, and a law that ye may not break. Now ye shall know fear, and when ye have found him, ye shall know that he is your master, and the rest shall follow. Then we of the jungle said, What is fear? And Thaw said, Seek till ye find. So we went up and down the jungle seeking for fear, and presently the buffaloes Ah, said Misa, the leader of the buffaloes from the sandbank. Yes, Misa, it was the buffaloes. They came back with the news that in a cave in the jungle sat fear, and that he had no hair and went upon his hind legs. Then we of the jungle followed the herd till we came to that cave, and fear stood at the mouth of it, and he was, as the buffaloes had said, hairless, and he walked upon his hinder legs. When he saw us, he cried out, and his voice filled us with the fear that we have now, and we ran away, trampling upon and tearing each other because we were afraid. That night, it was told to me, we of the jungle did not lie down together, as used to be our custom, but each tribe drew off by itself, the pig with the pig, the deer with the deer, horn to horn, hoof to hoof, 
like keeping to like, and so lay shaking in the jungle. Only the first of the tigers was not with us, for he was still hidden in the marshes of the north, and when word was brought to him of the thing we had seen in the cave, he said, I will go to this thing and break his neck. So he ran all the night till he came to the cave, but the trees and the creepers on his path, remembering the order Thaw had given, let down their branches and marked him as he ran, drawing their fingers across his back, his flank, his forehead, and his jowl. Wherever they touched him, there was a mark and a stripe upon his yellow hide. And those stripes do his children wear to this day. When he came to the cave, Fear, the hairless one, put out his hand and called him the striped one that comes by night. And the first of the tigers was afraid of the hairless one and ran back to the swamps howling. Mowgli chuckled quietly here, his chin in the water. So loud did he howl that Thaw heard him and said, What is the sorrel? And the first of the tigers, lifting his muzzle to the new-made sky, which is now so old, said, Give me back my power, O Thaw. I am made ashamed before all the jungle, and I have run away from a hairless one, and he called me a shameful name. And why? said Thaw. Because I am smeared with the mud of the marshes, said the first of the tigers. Swim then, and roll on the wet grass, and if it be mud, it will surely wash away, said Thaw. And the first of the tigers swam and rolled and rolled, till the jungle ran round and round before his eyes. But not one little bar upon his hide was changed. And Thaw, watching him, laughed. Then the first of the tigers said, What have I done that this comes to me? Thaw said, Thou hast killed the buck, and thou hast let death loose in the jungle, and with death has come fear, so that the people of the jungle are afraid one of the other, as thou art afraid of the hairless one. The first of the tigers said, They will never fear me, for I know them since the beginning. Thaw said, Go and see. And the first of the tigers ran to and fro, calling aloud to the deer, and the pig, and the sombor, and the porcupine, and all the jungle peoples. But they all ran away from him, who had been their judge, because they were afraid. Then the first of the tigers came back. His pride was broken in him, and, beating his head upon the ground, he tore up the earth with all his feet and said, Remember that I was once the master of the jungle. Do not forget me, O Thaw. Let my children remember that I was once without shame or fear. And Thaw said, This much I will do, because thou and I together saw the jungle made. For one night each year it shall be as it was before the buck was killed, for thee and for thy children. In that one night, if ye meet the hairless one, and his name is man, ye shall not be afraid of him, and he shall be afraid of you, as though ye were judges of the jungle and masters of all things. Show him mercy in that night of his fear, for thou hast known what fear is. Then the first of the tigers answered, I am content. But when next he drank, he saw the black stripes upon his flank and his side, and he remembered the name that the hairless one had given him, and he was angry. 
For a year he lived in the marshes, waiting till Thaw should keep his promise. And upon a night when the jackal of the moon, the evening star, stood clear of the jungle, he felt that his night was upon him, and he went to that cave to meet the hairless one. Then it happened as Thaw promised, for the hairless one fell down before him and lay along the ground, and the first of the tigers struck him and broke his back, for he thought that there was but one such thing in the jungle, and that he had killed fear. Then, nosing above the kill, he heard Thaw coming down from the woods of the north, and presently the voices of the first elephants, which is the voice that we hear now, the thunder was rolling up and down the dry, scarred hills, but it brought no rain, only heat lightning that flickered between the ridges, and Hathi went on. That was the voice he heard, and it said, Is this thy mercy? The first of the tigers licked his lips and said, What matter? I have killed fear. And Thaw said, O blind and foolish, thou hast untied the feet of death, and he will follow thy trail till thou diest. Thou hast taught man to kill. The first of the tigers, standing stiffly to his kill, said, He is as the buck was. There is no fear. Now I will judge the jungle peoples once more. And Thaw said, Never again shall the jungle peoples come to thee. They shall never cross thy trail, nor sleep near thee, nor follow after thee, nor browse by thy lair. Only fear shall follow thee, and with a blow that thou canst not see shall bid thee wait his pleasure. He shall make the ground to open under thy feet, and the creeper to twist about thy neck, and the tree trunks to grow together about thee higher than thou canst leap. And at last he shall take the hide to wrap his cubs when they are cold. Thou hast shown him no mercy, and none he will show thee. The first of the tigers was very bold, for his night was still on him, and he said, The promise of Thaw is the promise of Thaw. He will not take away my night? And Thaw said, Thy one night is thine, as I have said, but there is a price to pay. Thou hast taught man to kill, and he is no slow learner. The first of the tigers said, He is here under my foot, where his back is broken. Let the jungle know that I have killed fear. Then Thal laughed and said, Thou hast killed one of many, but thou thyself shalt tell the jungle, for thy night is ended. So the day came, and from the mouth of the cave went out another hairless one, and he saw the kill in the path, and the first of the tigers above it, and he took a pointed stick. They throw a thing that cuts now, said Sahi, rustling down the bank, for Sahi was considered uncommonly good eating by the Gons. They called him Huigu, and he knew something of the wicked little Gondi axe that whirls across a clearing like a dragonfly. It was a pointed stick, such as they set in the foot of a pit trap, said Hathi, and throwing it, he struck the first of the tigers deep in the flank. Thus it happened, as Thaw said, for the first of the tigers ran howling up and down the jungle till he tore out the stick, and all the jungle knew that the hairless one would strike from far off, and they feared more than before. So it came about, 
that the first of the tigers taught the hairless one to kill, and ye know what harm that has done to all our peoples, through the noose and the pitfall and the hidden trap and the flying stick and the stinging fly that comes out of white smoke, Hathi meant the rifle, and the red flower that drives us into the open. Yet for one night in the year the hairless one fears the tiger, as Thaw promised, and never has the tiger given him cause to be less afraid. Where he finds him, there he kills him, remembering how the first of the tigers was made ashamed. For the rest, fear walks up and down the jungle by day and by night. Ay, ow, said the deer, thinking of what it all meant to them. And only when there is one great fear over all, and there is now, can we of the jungle lay aside our little fears and meet together in one place as we do now? For one night only does man fear the tiger, said Mowgli. For one night only, said Hathi. But I, but we, but all the jungle knows that Shere Khan kills man twice and thrice in a moon. Even so, then he springs from behind and turns his head aside as he strikes for he is full of fear. If man looked at him, he would run, but on his night he goes openly down to the village. He walks between the houses and thrusts his head into the doorway, and the men fall on their faces, and there he does his kill. One kill in that night. Oh, said Mowgli to himself, rolling over in the water, now I see why Shere Khan bade me look at him. He got no good of it, and he could not hold his eyes steady, and, and I certainly did not fall down at his feet. But then I'm not a man, being of the free people. Hmm, said Bagheera deeply in his furry throat. Does the tiger know his night? Never till the jackal of the moon stands clear of the evening mist. Sometimes it falls in the dry summer, and sometimes in the wet rains this one night of the tiger. But for the first of the tigers, this would never have been, nor would any of us have known fear. The deer grunted sorrowfully, and Bagheer's lips curled in a wicked smile. Do men know this tale? said he. None know it except the tigers, and we, the elephants, the children of Thaw. Now ye by the pools have heard it, and I have spoken. Hathi dipped his trunk into the water as a sign that he did not wish to talk. But, 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 said Mowgli, turning to Baloo, why did not the first of the tigers continue to eat grass and leaves and trees? He did but break the buck's neck. He did not eat. What led him to the hot meat? The trees and the creepers marked him, little brother, and made him the striped thing that we see. Never again would he eat their fruit, but from that day he revenged himself upon the deer and the others, the eaters of grass, said Baloo. Then thou knowest the tale, eh? Why have I never heard? Because the jungle is full of such tales. If I made a beginning, there would never be an end to them. Let go my ear, little brother. The Law of the Jungle just to give you an idea of the immense variety of the jungle law, I have translated into verse 
Baloo always recited them in a sort of sing-song, a few of the laws that apply to the wolves. There are, of course, hundreds and hundreds more, but these will serve as specimens of the simpler rulings. Now this is the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky, and the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runneth forward and back, for the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. Wash daily from nose tip to tail tip, drink deeply, but never too deep, and remember the night is for hunting, and forget not the day is for sleep. The jackal may follow the tiger, but cub, when thy whiskers are grown, remember the wolf is a hunter, go forth and get food of thine own. Keep peace with the lords of the jungle, the tiger, the panther, and bear, and trouble not Hathi the silent, and mock not the boar in his lair. When pack meets with pack in the jungle, and neither will go from the trail, lie down till the leaders have spoken, it may be fair words that prevail. When ye fight with a wolf of the pack, ye must fight him alone and afar, lest others take part in the quarrel, and the pack be diminished by war. The lair of the wolf is his refuge, and where he has made him his home, not even the head wolf may enter, not even the council may come. The lair of the wolf is his refuge, but where he has digged it too plain, the council shall send him a message, and so he shall change it again. If ye kill before midnight, be silent, and wake not the woods with your bay, lest ye frighten the deer from the crop, and your brothers go empty away. Ye may kill for yourselves and your mates and your cubs as they need, and ye can, but kill not for pleasure of killing, and seven times never kill man. If ye plunder his kill from a weaker, devour not all in thy pride. Pack right is the right of the meanest, so leave him the head and the hide. The kill of the pack is the meat of the pack, ye must eat where it lies, and no one may carry away of that meat to his lair, or he dies. The kill of the wolf is the meat of the wolf, he may do what he will, but till he has given permission, the pack may not eat of that kill. Cub right is the right of the yearling. From all of his pack he may claim full gorge when the killer has eaten, and none may refuse him the same. Lair right is the right of the mother. From all of her year she may claim one haunch of each kill for her litter, and none may deny her the same. Cave right is the right of the father to hunt by himself for his own. He is freed of all calls to the pack. He is judged by the council alone. Because of his age and his cunning, because of his gripe and his paw, in all that the law leaveth open, the word of your head wolf is law. Now these are the laws of the jungle, and many and mighty are they. But the head and the hoof of the law, and the hunch and the hump is, Obey.